Welcome to Veritas Equipping Podcast. I'm Jake, and I'm here with two special guests, Nathan Kalopek and Jeff Dodge. Uh, Jeff Dodge works down at Veritas in Iowa City as their teaching pastor. Nathan is here with us uh, leading out in connection groups, and we're here to tackle a very fun, uh, needed topic on the importance of theological development in the church, and that may sound boring to you of like, why do I need to listen to this podcast? But I promise you, it's more important than you realize. We're going to make it exciting. We're going we're we're to make, make it, it exciting. Really appealing and exciting. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> yes, it, it, we will find our way to excitement in this. Um, but part of our mission is to raise up mature disciples. So when we think of maturity spiritually, like, guys, what comes to mind? I think one of the things that comes to mind is the, the mistake people make, that maturity is the same as going to church for a long time. So I think the first thing I think of is, hey, some people should be mature and aren't, and other people are mature, and you know it happened quickly, whatever. So that, that's the first thing that comes to mind, opportunities where you know, maybe it's the, the lady who's in her 80s that's been coming to church for a long time, but kids are scared of her because she just isn't, isn't kind or anything like that, or, or someone sharing something on social media that you're like, wait, why did, why did you send that? Like, didn't you think about it? Whatever. Those are, when I think about maturity, I think of some of those times where I was surprised that someone was maybe less mature than I expected. Yeah. So even just not even in spiritual maturity, but just emotional maturity, mm. we all know that there might be people who are relatively old or have a lot of life under their belt, but they don't necessarily display much maturity. Sure. Um, same could be true spiritually speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I think of, uh, I mean, the, the scriptures just give such a, a broader approach to things like maturity. Uh, we can to isolate things like knowledge or whatever. Mm. And I just love the way Jesus presses in. I mean, even when like Paul writes to Timothy and he says, watch your life and your doctrine yeah. closely. Like those two things, bring maturity, not mm -hmm. just what I believe, what I confess, what, what what I know to be true, but is my life, is my character matching what I believe? And yeah. so you can't just be a really good person, right? And and thus you're mature. No, you've got to have knowledge, truth. You've got to have confessional, you know, stability and strength and vice versa, you know? So yeah, it's a way more complex, you know, there's a lot more texture to maturity, I guess, when Jesus comes at it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we, now we put that term in our mission statement to help define, like, we're just not trying to increase church attenders mm. right. or even people who just confess Jesus. We want to, as Paul says, you know, in Colossians, to present everyone mature in Christ. Mm -hmm. So there's this call uh, to bring people to maturity. It, it might be something that, that your average churchgoer doesn't think about too sure. often, but I would guess that when you pose it, people will be like, yes, I want to be mm -hmm. a mature follower of Jesus. Yeah. It's a desirable thing. So um, like Jeff, you said there's some, there's two sides to it, but like where else in scripture do we see some indicators of what spiritual maturity is? Well, even I was thinking about, um, you know, both of our churches are going through first Corinthians and right dead center as he's talking about the gifts, the spiritual gifts and, and, you know, the more prominent gifts and the less prominent gifts and all that. He, holds a major pit stop right there in first Corinthians 13 and just to talk about love and redefining love so that we can't mistake you know our sentimentality about what we think love is or whatever he's like oh no no let me tell you what love is not mm -hmm. let me tell you what love is and so there too just um that more robust idea of maturity and and what it looks like to grow in Christ because 
if we're actually growing in things like, oh, I'm a great teacher, prophet, or whatever, but don't have love, I actually invalidate it. It's yeah. not just <laughs> that it's less effective. It's actually rem- it, all of its power and gifting is actually removed because I don't bring love to mm-hmm. it. So, so I'm just saying, those, I guess that's a, a real recent mm-hmm. reminder to me from the scriptures of yeah. those things kind of being held in tension. Mm-hmm. Or, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think of Ephesians 4 when, you know, talking about the different parts of the body and, you know, it's fitted and held together and, and the desire is to grow into maturity. Uh, and then afterwards, Paul's talking about not being carried away by every wind of doctrine or the craftiness of, of men. Like, there's a certain level of discernment yeah. that comes with maturity. Like, you're able to discern a truth from a lie. You're able to discern, you know, right from wrong, good from evil. Like, you're, you're not going to get tricked. Or, or do, and there's so many lies in our world yeah. oh, man. that seems like, I know we've talked before uh, about just feels like the world's discipling our people faster than we are. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we had you for an hour on Sundays, but then you watched that show and this show and listened to and read that book. And it's like weaving lies. And it's like, are you able to discern them? Because that's, that's a sign of, yeah, yeah, it's a sign of maturity. Yeah. I Just this morning, I was I was reading in Revelation and when he talks about the deception that uh, will will engulf the earth, you know, even deceiving the elect. He says the same kind of thing in Matthew, you know, the, this idea that even the elect are like kind of mm. back on their heels a little bit, trying to figure out what's actually true because the lies are so compelling mm. and, and so ingenious, you know. And, and then I just love, like in Revelation 13, this calls for wisdom. This calls for endurance. He just keeps saying boldly, <laughs> this calls for, you know, you, you got to yeah. be heads up kind of thing. So... I'm just saying, yeah, we've got to be so aware that increasingly our world will be engulfed in lies that even for the believer are tantalizing. It seems yeah. so close to being true that we can be fooled, you know, mistaken along yeah. the way. So yeah, yeah. we've got to be aware. For sure. And even just the reality of loving the Lord your God with all of your mind, right? There, there are times where maybe in different denominations, church camps, whatever, some people really love God with their minds, but it can be like, detached mm. from everyday life in some categories mm. where it's like we we know the creeds the confessions but we don't know our neighbors mm. and other people can swing the pendulum and go well we're just pragmatic like we're just getting after it we're on the streets that theology stuff's for other yeah. people mm. and Jesus doesn't give us that option he, he offers us a more difficult but ultimately a better way of mm. loving him with our mind mm. and with our strength with all of our mm. life yeah. there is definitely a holistic aspect to maturity for us in this conversation, I want to focus on one perhaps neglected aspect of maturity um, is this idea of knowledge, like love the Lord God with your mind, or in Hebrews 5, the critique of their immaturity was saying, hey, you ought to be teachers by now, and you still need somebody to kind of spoon-feed you this basic stuff. So uh, growing in our knowledge, like Peter tells us that you would grow in the grace and knowledge Mm -hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we say we want to raise up mature disciples, there's an aspect of that that certainly cannot be ne- neglected. It's your character. It's your godliness. It's your love. But there's another side of, like, it's your mind. It's yeah. your, do you know truth? So when it comes to developing people theologically, like, you know, the elementary teacher, the, the doctor, the construction worker, the whatever it may be as a part of our, our church, like, what has the church done historically to teach people the truths of God. Right. 
Right. Like before we get to where we're at now, like what traditionally has the church done? Well, I feel like it, this is a little bit shocking and and maybe embarrassing for the modern church is that I think earlier generations actually did a better job. And some of that, especially let's go deeper into history, pre-printing press, you know, mm. which is a big chunk of our yeah. church's history. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even early, for a couple hundred years after the printing press, having actual paper copies of the Bible mm. or any other resource was, was, they were just so rare. So the way that people were taught was through memorization, through a lot of just oral, you know, transmission, you know, you're yeah. just hearing it audibly. And so you're hanging on every word. People were better listeners because that was their only way to ingest truth. And so because of that, you know, we had these robust doctrinal statements and confessions that were memorized yeah. and rehearsed and spoken in unison and those kind of things, because that was our way to cling on to white knuckled grip, hold on to truth. Well, now with so much available at our fingertips, so many books, so many Bibles alone, well, you know, and every other kind of resource, I wonder if somehow our people are more stymied, less like aggressive, less mm. um, careful about what to hold on to and, and protect. And it, that white knuckled grip maybe is not there because it seems so accessible. Like, why, why would I need to memorize it if it's mm. just right there? Yeah, I can Google it maybe. later. Or Google it or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Totally. Yeah. And you can believe everything on the internet. So right. you're safe there. <laughs> right. But there was, they, they had yeah. creeds. Like, right. we're going to have this creed, and often it was not only to reinforce truth, but to actually confront a lie in society. Exactly. Like, no, we're, we're doing a creed because what you're believing is not true, and we're going to reinforce what is true. So people, yeah, memorize creeds. Yeah, even the Apostles' Creed. I mean, we're doing a thing where we just encourage people to read their Bible and pray more. And pretty novel. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Everybody write that down. <laughs> yep. we're, we Wait, should get more? everybody to read their Bible and pray more. But one of the things we did was we asked people to pray through Psalm 23, pray through the Lord's Prayer, and pray through the Apostles' Creed, which was a little bit of a more curveball. But the, the reason for that, what we said is, historically, this is one of those moments where God's people can say, look, there's a lot I don't know, and there's maybe even a lot of things that I would disagree with others on. This I confess to be true, and this unites me with the global church and the historic church. Like, this stuff we hold to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just that idea, yeah, that... that creeds and those things were held so carefully by God's people and the church stewarded that well so I think maybe we don't do as well right now yeah and in our country we we went from revival to revivalism where the earlier generations I'm talking like Jonathan Edwards like really trying to love God with your mind and Christians founding universities so like the old universities in our country were started by Christians to teach people these things and the capstone of it was wisdom. How do I live a life that's actually godly? Not just full of knowledge, but but living well. And we sort of replaced those real moves of God in revival with basically just trying to manufacture it. If I can turn the emotional temperature up enough, if I can get the room atmosphere right, then I can get people to make some decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think the people in those movements were, were genuinely trying to get people to accept the gospel, but at times substituted making disciples for making converts mm -hmm. and making decisions. Mm -hmm. and gathering that, crowds. Yeah, gathering crowds. And that kind of led, that led to other people sort of trying to swing the pendulum towards discipleship and then trying to swing it towards gathering crowds. And so I think in the last 100 years in our country, 150 maybe, 
we sort of lost that historic track mm-hmm. of what we were supposed to be doing in helping people love God with their minds yeah. because we started fighting internal battles about mm. crowd size versus other things. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy how those of us who you know are around great universities and university students find this you know, really antagonistic relationship often with what we believe and teach and the university system and what they believe. But yeah, to your, your point, Nathan, I mean, when you look at even the great uh, just mottos of our, of our founding universities at Yale, Luxe Veritas, light and truth, mm-hmm. right? I mean, <laughs> they, that's what they were founded to do. Jonathan Edwards, one of the presidents of Yale. So, um, yeah, we've come, come a long way. <laughs> since then. So the church has to step up. That's what I'm saying. The yeah. church has to step up perhaps more than ever to do that. And are we? Sure. Question. Yeah. So as Christians, there's a pretty good tradition of developing their people theologically and reinforcing truth. How um, all of us are kind of in the church context. Jeff, you have a lot of years in ministry. How are people's biblical literacy today? Mm. Like faithful churchgoers, how are we doing? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I mean, and I don't claim to have any kind of crystal ball, and, and I would never want to take like the seat of judgment to know how, how biblically literate people are. But, but I would say that what we find when we just open the Bible, I'm sure you guys have the same thing, and just start working through right now 1 Corinthians or any other book, often the reply that we get from people who are newer to the church family is, oh man, we've been in churches maybe all our lives. We've never actually learned the Bible like this. You yeah. know, and so not that we're the only ones doing it, for sure. There's lots of churches teaching the Bible. But there does seem at least to be in our little world, man, a lack of that mm-hmm. out there, right? Yeah. And, and people are almost shocked and, and sit and wonder like, oh, we can just bring a Bible, open it, and follow along. Mm-hmm. And that's even one of the reasons that I do like tearing through books of the Bible, starting from one end, going to there, because it actually empowers people to follow along and be like those Bereans, check, is that really what mm. it says here? Whereas if you're in a church where the pastor just kind of weaves together all these different verses from all over the Bible, you can't really follow that. You just take their word for it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, those connections, who am I? I didn't go to one of those big schools to learn how to make those connections. Yeah. Whereas this, I feel like it's em- empowering them. So in our local church, I'm encouraged that it feels like um, – Biblical literacy, just awareness of what the Bible teaches is is growing in people. But I do feel like we're kind of swimming upstream, so to speak, to yeah. make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I know in our context, a while back when Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Cedar Falls, this kind of whole area was in that Barna, like mm. one of the most post-Christian cities. What was getting mm. measured was biblical literacy. Mm. Like there was just not a grasp of some basic foundational stuff. And yet you see these church steeples all over town. You know? yeah. yeah, and I think depending yeah. on your tradition, a lot of churches may promote strongly godly living, but if you grew up in that tradition, you might say like, yeah, but nobody ever told me to read the Bible. Right. Like that was not mm. an issue. It was be a good person and go through the you know, the rituals and the religious calendar, but I really wasn't encouraged to read my Bible. Right. I think that's a common thing. Yeah, for sure. So what are we doing as churches that is trying to improve people's theological development? Or, or maybe before we even get there, like, what should mm-hmm. the average church person know? Because you start talking about some of these things like the Trinity and, mm-hmm. you know, the nature of Christ and fully man and fully God and some of these things. Like, I'm just trying to keep my marriage together. Yeah. I'm trying to be yeah. nice to my neighbor who's <laughs> annoying, like, trying to live out these virtues. Like, 
Is that stuff important for people to know? I, I, I want to be really clear. You don't have to have a degree in theology to be saved, mm. right? Like to be a spiritual infant is still to be in the family. Mm. And so all you have to know is that Jesus is Lord and that, yeah, he saved you. Like look to him in faith and you'll be saved. That's different than maturity, right? But but I don't I don't want anyone listening to think like, man, if I can't answer these confessions or whatever, then do I really have it? Like that's not that's not in view. That's good. But for the sake of your maturity, yeah, we do want more for you. And so I think a basic ability to read the Bible, as in like take a few verses and and understand, okay, what is the author trying to say? What are the principles that apply? And then how do I apply those to my life? I think that that tool set is a skill that carries you through lots of mm-hmm. different parts of scripture, even as different authors and genres kind of present information differently. I think that tool set is vital to continue to learn how to, to grow in godliness. That, that'd be one thing mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've done a way better job in recent, I guess, decades or whatever of connecting people, making people feel like there's a, a community to God's church. And I think that's super important, right? We are to be these, exiles. Um, we, we are to find family. We're adopted not just as individual Christians, but into a family. And so I think that the church of our day does a pretty decent job of working hard to connect people to the community and family yeah. of God. But sometimes I think we do that to the detriment of more robustly just teaching and training, right? Because if the only context that that people really are getting taught just to their mind, right, truth, is that one hour on Sunday morning, we probably are not doing as adequate of a job to equip them to discern their way through all these lies and, yeah. and, and you know, have their mind transformed through the scriptures. And so, yeah, I wouldn't give us an F, but I would say, uh, and I know even the reason we're having this discussion is, we're actually thinking about this right now. Like, what what could we do better? Yeah. Um, not because we're failing necessarily, but maybe a little anemic, a little weak there. And even some of the things that don't seem as urgent, like I need to know this in my life, are so crucial to your joy, mm. to your love yeah. for God. Like, you understanding the Trinity reinforces the value of community and importance, or you understanding God's sovereignty makes the worship of God so like we miss out on some of these deeper realities and sometimes we can slough them off just out of laziness like it's gonna take work to try to get my mind around some of the deeper things of God but I'm reminded of that proverb I can't remember the reference but the sluggard buries his hand in the dish but you know can't bring it yeah. to his mouth. Like it just it can't yeah, yeah. make the trip from the plate to my mouth. This is too much work. And we have so much resources. Right. Our hand as Christians is buried in the dish. Like, yeah. can we do the work to feed yeah. on this, this good stuff? So what are we doing as churches to say, all right, this is what we're doing to try to grow the theological knowledge of our people. Like in our church context, what, what are the things that we're doing? Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you can speak to some stuff in Iowa City, but in Cedar Rapids, one of the consistent things we've done has been having a resource center where we're trying to put good content and good good authors in front of people because there are so many different voices, so many people saying, hey, you need to listen to me and learn from me. We're trying to both put good stuff in front of people. We're saying this will help you be formed in those ways that maybe it's a contemporary issue or something timeless, but 
even then you can trust some of these authors we're putting in front of you to continue to learn how to feed yourself. Are you saying our resource center is different than browsing the religious section at Barnes and Noble? Just a little, <laughs> just a tiny bit different. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. There are fewer books. That's the one yeah. thing. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah, but trying to provide faithful resources, like this is good stuff. You yep. should feed on this. Yeah. yeah. And some of those are really timely. Like we, you know, in the fall, we had a book on politics in there. And it wasn't telling you who to vote for. It was telling you how to think about these things as a Christian in a church. And so if you were going to the resource center saying, I don't know, just give me a quick fix. Just tell me what to do. You'd be disappointed. But if if your understanding is, yeah, I need to grow to love God with my mind, that will shape my living, but I got to get some roots here. Those kinds of resources. And we've got books on prayer right now. Um, we've got our Bible reading plan. So if, if you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, I'm not literate in the Bible, jump in that. There are many people in our church doing that. You can be part of the stream of what we're doing as a family just to fill our minds with understanding the story of the Bible. Even how you said doing it as a family, one of the neat things that's been an experience for us as Veritas in Cedar Rapids is going through this Bible reading plan, kind of tracking at the same time when it comes up in connection group of like, all right, I was in Leviticus. (laughs) Let's talk about this. And you're able to just read as a community, which has been helpful. And I, I've just got a small group of guys that I meet with every week, and we're going through the reading plan together, we're memorizing scripture together, we're praying for each other. And so that's a great context where if someone has a question, other people have that question too, and we can bring it up and talk about it. Or we jump off topic and talk about issues in our society, but we're at least doing that together as people like going to the scriptures. So it's not, what do I think, what do you think? But man, what's the word saying opening in front yeah. of us? And Jeff, you mentioned preaching through books of the Bible. Yeah. That, I mean huge helping people learn how to study their Bible by working through a book. Right. And, and it forces us to tackle things. Like we're in 1 Corinthians now. I'm coming up on a passage where it's like, I don't think I'd ever choose to teach oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, this is going to be a challenge, but you're forced to deal with the whole counsel of God. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. I, I was just thinking as you, guys, as you guys were talking about your resource center, um, Every time I come to Veritas Cedar Rapids, I feel like there's stuff I want to steal and go back <laughs> to Iowa City with. Not the books. I would pay for those. But the Thank ideas. You. No. Uh, but seriously, I think about this often. Like, my adult kids, I feel like I'm always marveling at who they are, who they're becoming. And I feel like I'm learning from them. And even though Veritas Iowa City birthed you guys, I feel like, oh, that's good. We should. So anyway, we're starting our own resource center is what I'm getting to. And and learning how to do that better. Because again, when we talk about the availability of so many resources, I do feel like it can be a help to our church family to kind of cull through all the stuff being pumped out there and at least grab a handful of things that we would say, no, out of the smorgasbord of things, here's what I would direct you to. And so even for us, like um, there's a little booklet that we're going to be giving out to everybody at, at Veritas Iowa City that's just a daily devotional just for the week prior to Easter, so the days just leading up to Easter. And then it's every Sunday after that leading up to Pentecost. And so it's just every every one of those is written by a different author, some, some of the greater minds. Different simple even little booklet resources that we can start saying there's value in going a little bit deeper and on your own and take this home and read it. And, you know, that yeah. kind of thing is... Uh, we have to model it, right? So yep. trying to do that a little better. Another thing we're looking at making more regular routine for us is classes, mm-hmm. um, some classes in the fall and classes in the spring of short 
uh, not not ongoing thing, but you know, anywhere from four to fourteen weeks of like, let's get into this issue, this topic, um, and spend some time diving deeper in those things. And yet, we're a church that says connection groups is vital right. to live your life in community. So, Nathan, just like, what do you what do you want our people to know the relationship between classes and connection group? Yeah, they are friends, not enemies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. Awesome. Be, we, we want our classes to be, man, if you're at Veritas for the next 50 years, we want our classes to be a help and a shot in the arm in that process. And so if it looks like you having a semester where part of that you're in a class, I hope that enriches and, and builds you up and maybe your connection group takes it together. And then you can come back into community bringing the things that you've learned more enriched, more ready to, to live out the core values together. So right now we've got a connection group that's taking healthy Christian life. Um, men, men are taking the men's section, women are another, and couples are having conversations on the way home. You know, that's, that's a sweet thing. Or um, I think some of them are doing dinner before the class and then going to class together. I think there's another connection group doing the ambassadors class. That's going to enrich their life together as a connection group. That's going to allow them to actually um, do the things we're inviting them to do in in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys up here? Do you offer those mostly in a Sunday morning context, in an evening context? Like, what? Where do those show up? Yeah, we geared them around when teachers could teach them. Right. And there's a lot of, I mean, frankly, space pressure. So Sunday mornings right. are kind of tapped because we've got. We've got some classes that are um, we want to do on a regular rotation about, we just did a marriage class, three weeks, three different speakers. It's not going to be as deep, but that's one of the Sunday morning things we're doing. But there's not a lot of room because right. by God's grace, a lot of people, a lot of kids, not a lot of building. Right. And so during the week, like on a Tuesday night, we'll have multiple classes going on then. On a Monday night, we've got classes going. On Wednesdays and Thursdays, we've got other things in the building, so we don't want to have pressure there. But if a teacher wanted to teach it on a Saturday morning and anyone wanted to show up, Right. Go for no, it. Good. I'm not yeah. showing up on a Saturday morning for class, <laughs> right. but yeah, <laughs> but there's could. yeah, there's seasons to it, and it comes. Yeah. And you can say like, if you're in a different people have different capacities, and like I loved how you said they're friends, not enemies, because sometimes people can be like, well, which one are you going to choose? And it's like if you have the capacity to maintain good connection group attendance and take a class, that's awesome. But if you're saying I can never take a class because I'm always in connection group, connection group is community that you need until Jesus returns or you die. But it's not always the best context for you to dive deeper into some different things. So for you to say, hey, I'm going to take the next eight weeks off and take this class, we would love that. And you're going to re-enter community, you know, that much more. Well, and it's, I mean, I love that phrase also because we think too often in these dualities, We, we yeah. in, the, in a binary world, you're either in a class and thinking or you're in community. Well, you know what? When you get to class, there's people there. And they're <laughs> friends. Yeah. And you, can, you can actually have community while, you know what I mean? And the yeah. same thing in connection group. Hopefully yeah. you're growing in your knowledge of the word there as well. It's just that there's an emphasis different. But you know what I mean? But but I, I agree with you. I, I resist this idea that are you going to choose A or B? And I'm mm. like, well... Life's a little more complex. Yeah. Than yeah. Can we do it all? I think we could, actually, yeah. you know. And, and I even want our connectships to be creative sometimes. Like, summers can be difficult to have a regular rhythm. So maybe it's, as a group, you have a social once a month, and then you read a book, and you, you guys meet up outside of that. You break into smaller groups. But you grab a book from the Resource Center, and you go through that. And that would deepen your experience together. And then in the fall, okay, kids are back in school, regular rhythm, great, go for it. But you just spent a valuable summer growing together. That, that's that's huge. Yeah. That's good. And that's going to 
it's going to take work and effort, but what's on the dish is worth the trip <laughs> to yeah, your mouth. To it, yep. it tastes <laughs> good. Like food. do Coming do the do the work. Totally. Um, but one of the ways that, and this is what we really want to talk about. So glad Jeff's with us today. Um, of, of upping the game when it comes to theological development, even a step beyond just uh, a six to ten week class, uh, is is VST Veritas School of Theology, and this is something that Jeff drives that we get to kind of come alongside and participate in. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about what VST is. Yeah, it's evolving even as we speak, you know. But for right now, our focus is a one year delivery. Basically, it's uh, at a like a seminary credit level. And you could get seminary credit, 21 accredited hours of seminary training where we cover Old Testament 1 and 2, New Testament 1 and 2, hermeneutics, and then which is how to study the Bible, and then theology 1 and theology 2. But you don't actually know that you're in these individual courses because basically what we do over the course of that year is start in Genesis, make our way to Revelation, and along the way we're finding themes in the Bible, how to study Genesis versus how to study the Gospel of Mark or the Book of Romans. And we're also learning the threads of theological mm-hmm. topics and subjects that we encounter along the way and so forth. So so it's an integrated approach, not just like going to this class, then, oh, the bell rings, now we're going to Old Testament too. It's an integrated approach. Um, so it is especially created for those that would really like to dive deep and maybe even end up with a a seminary degree on the other end of that. But we're also thrilled to welcome in people who are just in it for the content. They just really want a a stronger foundation. They're at a point in life where getting a degree isn't that high of a priority, Mm -hmm. but they certainly want the content of what's going on. So probably about a two-thirds to one-third ratio, about two-thirds of the people taking VST are in it because they actually want to complete the entire package and end up getting a degree. And about a third of those are just along for the content, yeah. So just to be clear, the average person listening to this wants to go deeper, interested in that. Is VST only for people in ministry? Is it primarily oh, no, no, for people no. who want to you know, get a job at a church? Right. No, no, no. It's, it's not a vocational thing. Though, again, I do think any local church out there wants to know that whoever they're actually inviting onto a salaried, a paid position should be more deeply anchored and rooted in theology. So so it, it should be, you know, um, for those that want to go into vocational ministry. But no, the vast majority of our students are not in vocational ministry or even on the pathway toward vocational ministry. But we do certainly have uh, both residents and staff members from both of our churches taking it as well. Yeah. And one of the things that I think this has married so well with our network is when you're on a major university campus and you have people that have come to Christ in college, been discipled in college, now have a taste and hunger and feel a calling to ministry, they can just continue right on to get their master's. But one of the ways, even from our perspective in Cedar Rapids, is loving to see more adults yeah. uh, that are further along deep in their theological, like, you can jump onto this. Like You can, yeah. you can take it, not even for credit, mm-hmm. but just take the course and become better connection group leaders. Yeah elder development, just know your Bible more, be solid uh, yeah. in, in what the Scripture teaches. And even teaches. to your earlier point, we, we asked a couple of, of our folks that want, were interested, just because of the stewardship of their whole life, you know, to actually step away from leadership for a time. So a couple of them were leading a connection group, for instance, and for a season, 
pulled back out of leading that connection group so that they could really give themselves to mm. this and, and find the time. Now, not everybody. Some people have more freedom and, and can do it all. But we feel like it's a good enough investment to where you're saying, no, pull over and park here for a while and really invest in a long-term foundation building season so that when you jump back into leading a connection group or whatever you're doing, you're just more prepared. That that was not a waste, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. Now, you said it, it's accredited. Yeah. Explain that to us. Who's it accredited through? What's our connection? Who- right. So we're an extension site of Midwestern Seminary down in Kansas City. And they have been just incredible allies for us. And uh, I love their cooperation with us. Their their motto as a seminary is for the church. And, and I think they exhibit that even in the way they're helping us because there's not a lot of churches doing this kind of thing. Um, one is it's it, it's hard to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest with yeah. you, it's hard to do. So, you, you know, you don't have maybe the capacity to do it, or you have to have a doctorate to be able to teach at that level, so that's, there's that hang-up. How, how many doctorates do you have, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple. But, um, <laughs> no. uh, but anyway, all that to say, they have been really great in working with us, but we're able to do that fully under the authority, the umbrella of our local church. It's very much a local church-driven thing. Now, we have to have our syllabus approved by the accrediting agency and all that so they're they're looking over our shoulder but we've been given the freedom to be able to pull this off so it's a huge gift even i don't know 10 years ago this kind of thing would have been almost unheard of an an academy would not have given this kind of freedom you know to do what we're doing and i I got to take a a different version of this back in the day back in the day almost a decade ago now which is a little weird not quite that long but um the value of going to a class reading these books and then processing it with my other friends in our same church, in our same context, where we were on the ground trying to apply it was exponentially better than if I was just kind of reading it to pass a class mm-hmm. and then kind of move along. And even some of the folks taking it now, they've told me multiple times, like, yeah, the thing that I was reading for for VST came up in this conversation with the mm-hmm. person I can't... It was so great. Like, it, it really is exponentially better when we get to love God with our minds and be challenged and stretched theologically and at the same time be putting those things into practice. Yeah. And historically, that's what the church did. We didn't have as much of a divide. And so it's cool that we get to we get the benefit of that. It's not, it's not bad to go away and right, learn in a seminary, anything like that, but I, I think this is a really cool opportunity and hugely valuable for anyone, really, in our mm. churches. Yeah. So what would be kind of the tangible practical experience somebody signs up they're going to go through vst like what start date commitment time commitment what like what's the yeah so what we do is we we keep an eye on just especially the the academy the the university schedule and we try to be aware of that so we're not um, overlapping too much in people's you know rhythms of life so anyway what we do is we start at the end of may and go through june for our first term and then we break, and we don't start again until mid-September. Like, let all the schools, university, public schools, everything kind of get going, get the rhythms of life going again, start again. And then we're done by Thanksgiving. And then we start in January and are done by around spring break. So we're just keeping an eye on on the kind of the best times, I think, for people to give devoted attention to VST. So three terms over the course of generally a calendar year, and you've completed, again, 21 credit hours, and uh, all that array of, and, and we're still like, this last year was the first year that we that we did it. I had to rethink even how I deliver these classes. I've never done it this way in, a, in this integrated approach. So I feel like um, it was 
decent. I think people uh, gained from it. But I feel like even having done it now, I know where to like tighten this up, loosen that up, mm-hmm. you know, like do do a better job in this next year, and we'll hopefully continue to improve it as we go. But that's yeah, pretty exciting yeah. to see. What's the typical workload if somebody's going to yeah. take this adventure? Yeah, I forgot you asked that. Um, so we've said for credit students that it takes generally anywhere from like five to nine hours a week, and that's you know different weeks call for more reading or more projects or whatever. And I would say for those in the foundations level of non-credit, I would say anywhere from like three to four hours a week, maybe about half, you know, or whatever. It's it's less robust what we ask them to do and how much we ask them to read and what they we ask them to turn in. Uh, but it's serious at both levels, right? We we want we don't want um, kind of audit students who actually. Like, auditing is great in your average class. If what you mean by audit is, I just want to show up for the lectures. I don't want to read. Cool. There's lots of university classes you can do that. and Beautiful. Do that. We're not talking about auditing mm-hmm. by that definition. We're saying, no, you got to have skin in the game. You're, you're not just along for the ride. If you're going to step into the room and be sitting at a table to in- contribute to the conversation, you will have had to have read the textbooks that you're assigned and read your Bible as it's assigned. and you know, Because we want it to be cohort based right yeah. these these guys are coming together to your point Nathan help each other along the way in this learning process it's not just to sit and be lectured at so mm. yeah all right so for both of you guys our people are listening what's the sales pitch why mm. why sign up for VST oh Nathan you start oh wow thank you thanks Joe <laughs> <laughs> swimming. yeah the basic sales pitch is love the Lord God with all your heart soul mind and strength and Loving the Lord with all of your mind is a worthwhile endeavor for other parts of your Christian walk. This isn't a short sales pitch, but uh, at the beginning of Packer's book, Knowing God, he quotes Spurgeon, a sermon from um, Charles Spurgeon, basically saying, knowing God is the one subject you can never actually exhaust, and it's the one subject that will continue to enrich you for literally for eternity future. Why not jump into that? Mm. And so we, we do live in a world where there are lots of different sources of information and lots of contention around these things. It is worthwhile to spend a year, nine months, whatever, engaging with other people in this church body to understand your Bible better and understand the basics of our theology in a way that will contribute to your health and life and Lord willing for mm. till Jesus comes back. Mm. Wow. I guess for me and, you know, Normally, everything that comes out of my mouth is just something that I've read most recently. So <laughs> just this morning, I was in Matthew 23, and, and when Jesus you know, kind of puts the Pharisees in the crosshairs of his rebuke, this is one of the most haunting parts of the Bible for me every time I come to this. He says, therefore, do it. He says, oh, the scribes and the Pharisees are, are seated in the chair of Moses, like they represent Moses. Okay, So he says, therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do. Because they don't practice what they teach. Like this, frightening. And then he'll just go in. If, you, if you're familiar with Matthew 23, it just gets this excoriating. Anyway, he lines them up really bad and, <laughs> and is really hard on them. What I'm saying is I feel like in VST, we do focus on right teaching. We do want people to uh, teach with authority and confidence and strength of conviction when they open their Bibles. We want their lives to match it. We mm. never want people to be able to say, oh, yeah, listen to him, follow what he says. Oh, don't follow him home because he's a total hypocrite, mm. right? 
the evangelical church is plagued with this right now. So by holding VST into the accountability and the shepherding and guardianship of the local church, we're trying to shape character and holiness as we're growing and enriching their minds in what mm. is true and right to, to believe. And so I, for me at least, um, it is the most complete way to bring people into that level of discipleship. And uh, man, I, I do hope it strengthens and more jump in. For myself, when I think of a pitch, maybe from a more dire perspective is, so my dad was a football coach mm. and you know, growing up as a kid and your dad's a football coach, you're like, you're going to play football. And dad would say, you don't have to play football. But if you do, then you're going to get in the weight room and you're going to live mm. because otherwise you're going to get hurt. So if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. And I would tell the people that we look after uh, in this world, um, if you don't develop theologically, you're going to get duped in this world. Mm. You're, you're going to get led astray. You're, you're going to, like, it is connected to life and uh, discernment and it is if it's not through VST like you have to grow in your knowledge of, of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. so it's just so crucial in this world to to navigate the uh, the things that come your way to yeah, know the truth yeah. Yeah. and one of the essential elements of a disciple we talk about here is learning like being shaped in your mind and in a healthy Christian life we've kind of talked about how what gets your attention gets your affection and what gets your affection gets your action so I, I even wonder if some of the struggles in our life, we think, man, I've just got to try harder, do better, get more tools. But, but maybe some of the root of it is we haven't moved our attention to mm. where it's supposed to be. And so here's some good application on Sunday morning, but our attention the entire week is on the things that we're looking for to give us fulfillment, satisfaction, whatever. And so our hearts aren't moved. But as we focus our attention on the one who loves us, who loved us mm. enough to actually reveal who he is and give himself for us, that will move our attention or our affection in a way that leads to action and mm. transformation. Like attention really does end in action mm. um, when God gets a hold of our hearts. Yeah, it's beautiful. All right, final question here. Let's let's cast some vision. Let's say it's uh, ten years from now, um, and we've been doing VST together as two churches for those ten years, and we've had great participation. Mm. Like a lot of our people have gone through this. What are the implications of that? Mm. I hope uh, actually two things. One is that our individual churches are stronger, ready to discern their way through whatever is going on culturally, whatever cultural moments we encounter, that we'll be strong, we'll be that city on a hill, shining brightly no matter what gets thrown our way. But maybe even more than that, more churches will be birthed, more people will have been sent internationally mm. because in growing more and more to understand what it means to be a disciple, a strong disciple of Jesus Christ, is also to realize that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age, so go make disciples of all nations, right? So, so I'm, going to, I'm going to be with you as you take this thing now um, to more and more places. So strength at home and a multiplied effort through our churches, uh, maybe all around the world, hmm. 10 years from now. Amen. I mean, I was, I was thinking, yeah, exactly the same thing. We would see more people whose hearts were stirred in such a way where if God would invite them to go to their neighbor or go to a church plant or go across the world to somebody who doesn't have the chance, their attention and affection would be so stirred that they go, well, yeah, it's mm -hmm. going to be hard, but why wouldn't I do it? 
Mm-hmm. And whether, again, that's engaging with cultural issues here, whether that's just sharing the gospel with a neighbor who doesn't know anything about God, or it's those those things that might seem like a different category. You, When you hear God's heart through the whole Bible, it's like, oh, this all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go. Let's join in with what he's already doing. Sweet. Yeah. How about you? What do you think? When I look at uh, Hebrews 5, when they're getting challenged in their immaturity, and he says, by this time you ought to be teachers, I'm thinking, well, what if we had more teachers, Man. more more people to pass it on? I think it would lead to ministry multiplication in the sense of on a lot of different layers, like more connection group leaders that feel like, oh, I'm equipped to answer that question. I'm equipped to address that issue. And they're just leading better connection mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. It's parents who are equipped to say like, oh, I can address that problem with my yeah. kids. So like, I know what scripture said, like I can parent better because I'm more theologically developed. So like local church level elders that are more like, yeah. yes, I know the word of God. I can guard doctrine. Yep but parents that are more equipped to parent in a godly way. So locally, but then like what you said, if you got, you know, you ought to be teachers by this time. If we got more people who can teach, we're sending more people out right. to teach in different places and church plants and global things to see like ministry multiplication, mm-hmm. not just in an effort of like, we just got to send people out fast, but like, no, we're doing such a good job at discipling people that it's just spilling out yeah. of that. We'd love to see that happen. So, That's good. guys, thanks for having this conversation, and we it's hope and fun. pray that it'll be more than just talk. And maybe we we'll get together in ten years and look back and say, "Yeah, this stuff happened." So. Be awesome. Let's All do right. it. All right. Thanks, Jake.